Thank you, Lord. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, scriptures to turn to. Then I'm just going to talk a little bit, give you kind of an update of where we're at. And then we'll uh, move on. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Some of you are like, why does it feel like so much testosterone's in the room this morning? It's because the whole praise and worship team were all men this morning. We didn't have no women. Some of them are on vacation. Genesis chapter 8. And then I want you to turn. Uh oh, lost my place. Ephesians chapter 1. Genesis chapter 8. And Galatians, I'm sorry, Galatians, not Ephesians. Galatians chapter 6. I saw Ephesians because mine's on the same page. Y'all ever do that? Are y'all here this morning? Come on, y'all ever do that? You see Ephesians, but you turn to Galatians because it's on the same page. Nobody ever does that but just me. Galatians chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 8. So let me give you an update kind of where we're at. Um, we have entered in to, I guess, talks and negotiations with another church that's interested in our church. But there's quite a few hurdles we've got to overcome uh, with that. Um, so just be in prayer. Just wanted you to kind of be updated with that. We uh, are looking, we're praying about where we're going to go. And we know that the Lord has instructed us to get ready to birth this new work that we're all uh, been praying about, we've been talking about that the Lord gave us the word. And so we're in the middle of that process. Are you with us on that process? So <clears throat> anyway, just be praying, just be uh, covering us and in agreement with us that, that the Lord is going to, uh, no, not that the Lord is going to, that we are going to keep in step with the Lord. And one of the things that I'm going to talk about tonight, and this tonight, this morning, is that what do we do in the moments in between the times where we're waiting? The moments while we wait. I think in our society we're, we're always dictated by the end result. We're always looking for the final product. We're always looking for the destination and we never pay attention to the journey. Come on, is anybody in here? The journey sometimes is more fun than the destination. You ever went to a family reunion? Right? Sometimes the, the excitement and the buildup to the event itself is almost sometimes overwhelms the actual event itself. You know, like uh, the only thing I can think of is the exceptions to that is when you get your driver's license and you get to drive the first time and when you get married. I don't know if that was for you, but it was for me. Uh, I had this thing about driving. I don't understand you kids nowadays, some of these kids nowadays, y'all don't get your driver's license until 17, 18 years old. The only reason why I didn't get my driver's license on the day of my birthday is because it was a Sunday. I was there to get my learner's permit. I was driving all, I mean, 
I wanted to drive. And, and so with God in our journey, if we're not careful, we'll miss the entire process and just focus on the destination. And we've, we've lost that time. Sometimes the pleasure is in the process. Sometimes the profit is in the process. Sometimes the purpose is in the process. The destination, if you want to know the truth for a Christian, is already done. We've been made perfect in Him. We've been seated in heavenly places. And so this process is all about the journey. See, the world looks at the process and says, do away with that. We want the final result. But God gets the glory in the process. We've been made perfect in Him. You're not trying to achieve perfection. You've already achieved it. Your wife may not agree with you. Or your husband, or your children, or your spouse. It doesn't, but you've already been made. It says, it says that we've already been made complete in Him. You're not looking for completeness. You've been made complete. What we're doing is walking this out in this world, what He has already given and deposited in us. But if we're not careful, we'll rush it. We'll get, a, we'll get ahead of God. I, I, I don't understand sometimes why God does the things that he does because if it was up to me it would be on my timetable how many times has God says has God said wait when you wanted to go am I the only one wait he said no I don't want to wait I want to go Genesis chapter 8 in verse 22 this was after Noah uh, landed everything's good and, and he said in verse 20, he said, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a, sooth a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said to his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Wow. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now go over to Galatians chapter 6. As long as the earth remains, we will have seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, we will have spring, summer, fall, and winter. It just, as long as the earth remains, as much as we'd like to have more daylight, daylight savings time can only do so much. Because as long as the earth remains, unless you live in Alaska, your days are going to be short and your nights are going to be long. We're always going to have a night and we're always going to have a day. Always. So how many of you know that there's seasons in your life? You can't determine your season, but you can determine your spirit in that season. I can't make this, what God has birthed, what He's birthing in us, transitioning us from New Covenant Church, allowing that to die, and allowing out of that death to be birthed a new work. I can't rush that as much as I would like to. I can't, as much as I wanted my children to come out 
of their mother's womb, and more so did she, (laughs) I can't make that happen. And I don't care how good of a doctor you are, you can't determine the exact moment in time when that baby is why, because that's God's, not ours. Now you can get an idea, you you can structure and schedule some things, but every one of our children caught me by surprise. Every one. I didn't go, oh, alarm went off. She's giving birth. I knew it. That never happened. Did anybody? Did that happen? Unless you go to the doctor and they induce labor. But even that is not the same thing. Because that baby is going to come when it's the divine season and time for that child to come. Well, this thing is going to be birth. Whatever thing in your life that you're looking for, that you know that God's put in your heart, that thing is only going to be birth at His timing, not yours. So what do we do in the moments while we wait? Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired. Aren't you tired of missing the moments in our life? Aren't you tired of being rushed? I am. I'm tired of people pressuring. I'm tired of the rushiness. I just, I'm going to be in step with God. One of the things that we've always said, that I've always said, and I and encourage everybody else to say, is I'm always, I'm smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Right now, today, come on, say that. I am smack dab in the middle of the will of God right now, today. You may not feel like that, but just you having the faith to make a decision to declare that, even if you were outside of smack dab in the middle of the will of God, he just you just landed yourself right back. Why? Because the will of God is for your heart to be lined up with his heart. Galatians 6, this is one of those that you don't see on bumper stickers so much. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I'm telling you, the temptation, that tells me that the temptation to grow weary is always standing at your door. It is. The temptation to grow weary is right there waiting on you to grow weary. He's just begging you to take it. Do not. And he says, do not grow weary in doing good. Well, how do you know that we're doing good? Well, what are we doing in alignment with what the scripture says? What are we doing in conjunction with what he's told us to do? If you're doing what he told you not to do, that's not doing good. And I'm not talking about works. Listen to me. I'm not talking about sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about to him that it is to do good. If you don't do it, the Bible says that to you it's sin. So if he told you not to eat sugar, (laughs) he ain't told me that yet. If he told you not to eat sugar and you eat sugar, to you it's sin. If he told you to get up early in the morning and pray, but he didn't tell somebody else that, To them it's not sin, but to you it is because that's what he told you to do. What has he told you to do? What has he said for you to do? You know, um, we're constantly challenged by the world and the status quo. We're constantly challenged to change what we believe and line it up with what the world and what religion wants to pressure us to believe. And that is not God's plan. But yet, what I see in characteristics of believers 
are patterns of behavior that are not conducive for what the Lord wants to bring to fruition in your life. The patterns of behavior, meaning what we do, what we've done as a church, as a culture, is not conducive to bringing the will of God to pass in our life because we have a part to play. I mean, we see it on TV. We're still fighting over color. Do we not all bleed the same? Racism never made sense to me. Even though I grew up around it, it never made sense to me. That's why I married an Asian. That and because she's hot. <laughs> but if, if I cut my wrist and Langston cuts his wrist, do we not bleed the same blood? So why is it that we still deal with that issue? Because the enemy knows that if we're united, oh, that's dangerous. Because the enemy always seeks to divide. It's a distraction. And Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus never did, very rarely did he deal with social issues. Matter of fact, some people have a hard time with the scripture because he says, let a woman keep silent in the church. Well, that's not true for our church. We just had a woman get up and she was anything but silent. Because in those days, in that culture, that's what it was. Does it make it right? No. But you notice how he didn't condemn it. He didn't even condemn slavery in the Bible. But what did he do? He said, let those whom you serve treat them with honor and respect. And then he said, let those who rule over them, you treat them with honor and respect. Jesus is after, God is always after something deeper than the symptom. See what happened yesterday was a symptom. It was a tragic symptom. Who in their right mind would drive a car into a crowd of people just to hurt them? It's a symptom. Who in the world would march and call it White supremacists. They call them white supremacists. When we already read from Colossians that he is the supreme one. Because those are symptoms of a deeper rooted issue which is you're worthy of it all. I give you all. Racism is not about Racism is not about color. You want me to tell you what it's about? It's about division. It's about understanding. See, you don't get mad at one, you don't get mad at flowers because they're different. It's funny how we we treat one another. That's why John talked about it in 1 John so much. We treat one another with such disrespect, but yet we we value the um, diversity that nature has given us. But yet we don't value the diversity that God has given us individually. God is so anti-racist that he said he set some in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. You can't get five people that agree on anything. But yet God goes, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you five gifts, and they're going to all work together to benefit the whole body. 
You and your wife or you and your husband or your kids, it's hard for us to agree. Why? Because the enemy knows that we're, two or more are gathered in his name and agree as touching anything what? There's only so much that I can believe for. There's only so much that I can do. There's only so much that I can exercise my faith for. In order for me, in order for us to really do what God's called us to do, it calls for agreement. I have to be in agreement. See, if we're three in agreement, there's no thing in hell, nothing in hell that can stop the agreement. And so the enemy's after the agreement. The Bible says that blessed, the, the unity of the brethren, because that's where he commands the blessing. Where's Geneva? She's my amen corner. She is always getting me juice. That's where the agreement is. He commands the blessing. So what do you think that the enemy is after? He's after the blessing in your life. And whatever word, whatever slang, whatever symbol, whatever look, whatever bumper sticker, whatever feeling he can do to try to cause that Black Lives Matter, he'll use it. What was the other one? The police officer, those lives matter. How about this? How about all lives matter? And here's the danger. I've gotten way off of my notes, okay? Here's the danger. The very thing that the enemy wants to destroy in us, in our relationship. If he can't accomplish that, then he'll try to destroy it by flipping it around. And say, well, now you know your pastor's white. Do you see what I'm saying? And if that won't work, then he'll say, well, you know that black people always blah, blah, blah. Well, you know that white people always blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, and nowadays it's not even so much about black and white. You know all Muslims are part of the Taliban. You know all Asians worship Buddha. Whatever he can do to try to divide us, and the church is to rise above that. We're not to be a political voice. We're to be a kingdom voice. We're to establish the kingdom of God upon this earth. Now look around in this room just today. Just look around. There's white. There's black. There's young. There's old. There's mixed. I think some of the most beautiful children are mixed. I know I'm partial because I have mixed children. And I know that my children are the most beautiful children ever. How do you think God feels about you and me? Do I love any one of my children more than the other? But what's the enemy? I, I saw this this week. I saw it yesterday. My middle... Uh, was it yesterday or the day before that was National Middle Child Day there is such a thing there's National Play-Doh Day there's National Watermelon Day but yesterday or the day before I don't remember it's on Instagram was National Middle Child Day and so you know Laney's the middle child well I had to get on to her I had to correct her yesterday and so all the and she said to me, "Why don't you give me grace?" <laughs> she said that. 
You give Hannah grace. See the enemy? Well, why did you look at me that way? You looking at me that way because I'm white? You looking at me that way because I'm black? You looking at me because I'm the middle child? Well, that's just what they do. You know, and people try to put this stereotype on me in two ways. Well, you know, you're a preacher's kid. No, they're king's kids. That's like me saying, well, you know, that's welder's kids. That makes no sense. Neither does preacher kids. They're kids. Doctor's kids. Ooh. No, they're kids. They're kingdom kids. Well, you know, uh, and then the other way is, well, you know, you got all girls. Boy, you better wait till they get. No, don't try to put that on me. Don't try to divide my children from me. Don't try to put that device. Well, you know what happens when you start mixing up a church. Yeah, it looks colorful. Well, you know what happens if you start letting women preach or let women teach. Yeah, we get the other perspective. That's what happens. Well, you know what happens if you start letting that rock and roll stuff get up on stage. Or you know what happens if you let that good old-fashioned whatever get on. Yeah, it's called diversity. No two fingerprints are alike. So if you're going to be racist for somebody's color, then I have the right to be racist towards you because you don't have the same fingerprint as me and my fingerprint is better. <laughs> and all of that, you see how stupid it is? We are to rise above it. We are to be the demonstration. It doesn't mean that we don't stand up for social injustice and that we don't say something and that we don't say what happened yesterday was wrong. I read something on Instagram from a pastor. He said, a cat going into a garage doesn't make it a car. Well, them saying they go to church doesn't make them a Christian. So don't label Christians, white Christians, southern Christians. Don't tag me with them. But the same thing is true for us. We can't get sucked in to that cultural Armageddon, diversive way of thinking and go, well, burn them all. No, he took the punishment so we don't have to. We still have an obligation to walk in love. Anyway, back to due season. You can't control, okay, but even this fits. You can't control what happened yesterday. You can't control what happens today. But you and I can control our spirit and we can exercise our authority and say no in the name of Jesus, not in this town, not in this city, not in this state. I was trying to say state, but I wanted to say county. County, state, country, not in the world. We are the bridge that brings people together. I despise anything that tries to take people away from each other. Despise it. Wealthy, poor, ugly, pretty, black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter. I despise it. Why? Because that the essence of the gospel is he came and died for all man. Don't get sucked into that crap. Don't get sucked in. Just because you have an opinion, that don't mean you got to post it. 
That's why I was very careful with what I said this morning. Because, I, you know, I see a lot of prayer, and I know that I'm a leader. I know that I'm a pastor. I've got, I respond. So how did I respond? With the word. There is no such thing as white supremacy. There is no such thing as black supremacy. There's only one supreme one, and his name is Jesus. And he is worthy of it all. But the seasons in our life that if, if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in the destination or we'll get caught up in one, one thing that happened and in the span of time we'll lose the opportunity to really be the light and step into everything that God has for us. If we're not careful, we'll focus so much on what we're going to be, we're not focused on who we are right now today. If you're not careful, you'll focus on so much on you got to get yourself together while everybody else is falling apart. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to think that you're not worthy. He wants you to think that you're not able. He wants you to think that you can't do it. You can't see it. You can't have it. But that's a lie because as long as he can keep you bound up in the destination, you'll never be fruitful in the process. Aren't you tired of being rushed? It's because you're not rested. It's because you're not ready. The reason you're not rested and ready is because you're living rushed. They both feed off of each other. That's why this is the essence of Jesus' ministry. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I like to amplify it. It says this. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your soul. You got to hurry up. So right now we're fighting the temptation to hurry up. Let's get this service over with so we can go eat. Hurry up. Always in a hurry. And we miss the divine moments that are before us. We have a moment in time. We have moments that make up a lifetime. And in those moments, you never know when God will start a movement. You never know. The moment that you live in may be the movement that God wants to cause. But if we're not careful, we'll get ahead of Him and rush and we'll bypass and miss the moment. I wish I'd have taken the opportunity and the moment to invest in Yahoo when I was littler. I wish that someone would have said to me and sat down and talked to me about being wise about certain things. Because if I'd have done that and I not always looked for the destination but enjoyed the process, I wouldn't have missed some things that I missed and I can never have that back. Not because the devil stole it from me, but because I didn't notice it when it came across. Isaiah 40, verse 31, But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We don't like to wait. We don't. We don't like to wait. I mean, if they don't bring our drink order in like five minutes, we're calling for the manager. I'm thirsty. When are you going to take my order? And the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. In Acts chapter 2, 
He says this. Turn to Acts chapter 2. What moments are we missing? Acts chapter 1. What moments are we missing? Thank you, Lord. Verse 4 of chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what? For the promise. Here's my question. What promises has he given to you? What promises has he given to us? And the only command he tells us is to wait for the promise. He didn't say try to make it happen. He didn't say try to, try to get on and go fund me page to make it happen. He didn't say, raise up the money, go and bet. He didn't say that. He said, wait for the promise. Now, my question is this. So what I want to point out. What do we do while we wait? What is our posture while we are waiting? Because if we're not careful, we'll skip the waiting part and go into anxiety and go into try to making things happen. And how many of you know that wouldn't have happened for the disciples if they did not obeyed and waited. There's something that happens when we wait. Because see, God doesn't want you to get the glory for it. He wants the glory. Psalm 47.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. We can't be quiet, much less be still. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Wait on who? Be of good courage while I'm waiting? And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Not necessarily you got to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. How many of you are weary? How many of you are tired? How many of you are frustrated? How many of you? And the key is waiting on the Lord. But in our society, and in our circles, and in our systematic way of thinking, if you don't do something about it, it's your fault. If you don't get out there and make it happen, it's your fault. The posture of waiting is seen as laziness, or lack of diligence, or whatever word you want. But he said, wait on me, wait on the Lord. There's a difference, there's a big difference. 
See, waiting on the Lord is not a non-active position. It's an active position. While I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm pressing in to what He has said. And I'm reminding myself of His promises. That's what I'm doing while I'm waiting. See, they were in Jerusalem. Now go over to Acts chapter 2. Flip over one page to Acts chapter 2. And so it says this. So they went, and it says, When the day of fully Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all in one accord in one place. They were all in one accord in one place. It wasn't a uh, passive waiting. It was an active waiting. And they were waiting together. Lord, we thank you. You said you'd send the Holy Spirit. So we're just standing on that promise together. And they did life together. And as they're waiting, they still had a... But when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all scattered about doing whatever they wanted to do because they were tired of waiting on the Lord. What would it look like if Holy Ghost showed up and nobody was there? What is it that he's trying to get over to us? What is it that I'm trying to articulate to you? I'm trying to articulate to you that we wait together. That we do life together. One of the things that I'm that I'm getting ready for uh, to preparing a series is what the church really is. If you take everything that we've ever learned about the church, and all we have to go on is this right here, what does the church look like? What does a believer's life look like? Forget what you've experienced. Forget what you've learned. Forget what you've been taught. Let's just go to the Word of God and let's just see what does it look like to be a believer? What does it look like to wait on the Lord? You've planted that seed. You've watched the seed be watered. And now what are you going to do? What's that corn look like if you snatch it up out of the ground before it's time? It don't taste good. We saw a, uh, I saw a lemon tree the other day and they were green. And I said, is that a lime tree? And he said, no, that's a... What would it look like if I grabbed that lemon, thinking that it was a lime, and I bit into it? What's it going to taste like? It's not going to taste like a lime, and it sure ain't going to taste like a lemon. What does it look It's not ready. It's not the season for lemons yet. Or at least it wasn't for that tree. But how often do we do that? See, I've gotten ahead of God before. Let me tell you this. I would rather be behind Him than I would be ahead of Him. Because if I'm behind Him, He could say, Hey, what you doing? Pick up the pace. But if I'm ahead of Him, I can't see Him. And I'm running ahead. I'm trying to forge my own way. Come on now, this is good. I'm forging my own way and I can't hear Him as good because i got all this clutter around me. But if I'm behind Him, at least I can see Him. I may get distracted. And he goes, hey, hey, oh, there he is, I see him. But if I'm running and I get distracted, he's behind me. And see, he's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I said the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The, the prodigal son's father was a reflection of God. God's not going to chase you down in that sense. But he's always there. He's always looking. And here's the thing. There's no dark corner that you can go to. There's no depths of hell or sin that you can attain to that God's not with you because he said, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. And that's the same promise, and same, that's the same power of promise that we have that he said to Noah that I will never again destroy the earth in this way. It's a promise. We can take it to the bank. What I'm saying to you is don't give in to the temptation of being weary in doing well. And if you don't know whether you're doing well, then get before the Lord and say, Look, all that I have is yours. My life is in your hands. And I'm submitted to everything that you want me to do. That's my heart's cry. If you do that, he'll take care of everything else. We know when we're not doing good. Come on. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. We all know when we're doing wrong. You know what I mean? Your kids know when they're disobedient. We know when we disobey what God is saying. We know it. But what would, I, what would you say if I told you that really even that doesn't matter because we've been made complete in Him. It's a matter of responding. It's not a matter of performance. It's a response. He's given us the grace. See, grace isn't just to cover. It's to empower. It's the grace of God that enables us to live as Jesus lived. And it's the grace of God that covers us when we don't live as Jesus lived. That's the great thing about the gospel. The gospel is true equality for all. Because it don't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how old or how sanctimonious you think you are. This is the confidence that we have in him. In him. That if we ask anything according to His will, not your will, not your performance, not your color, His will. Stand with me. I'm going to read this to you. I feel like this may be my closing or it may be my first, second closing. I don't know. Divorce. Cancer, either word is enough to paralyze, but both together is something few people can imagine. Alicia found herself doing just that, battling both while also trying to raise her daughter alone. She kept her hope and faith in God. See, she's waiting. What is she doing while she's waiting? She's keeping her hope. What is it in your life that has been pronounced over you? What is it in our lives that have been declared over us? Well, you're too old. You're too young. You're too stupid. You're not smart enough. What is it that's been pronounced over you? They told this man when he was a teacher, there's no use in going to medical school. At the age of 20. When did you go to medical school? When you were 30, right? 26, he went to medical school. Already a teacher went to med- There's no use. You're not smart enough. But here he stands today. Doc. He don't like it when you say that. I don't call him Doc. I call him Bishop. So feel free to call him Bishop. 
But I say that because God honored him and proved through him. See, he's a testimony that when God puts something in your heart, you can do it. She kept her hope and faith in God. Knowing he had a purpose and a plan for her, although she made great progress, she was tested yet again when cancer returned only a few years later. It was then that she chose to lean on God fully and completely. She admits to being someone who likes to always know what's next. But through the challenges she learned to be still and trust God. In 2015, she publicly declared that trust as she was baptized at her local church. And she now serves on the greeter team. I get to greet every person who walks through the doors and make them feel as welcome as I do. Being a single mom isn't easy, but I get to serve alongside my daughter on a team that is family to both of us. I am now cancer-free and can look back on the storms he has brought me through, content in knowing that I praise him through it all. He's worthy of it all. And I'm saying to you this morning that the moments in your life during your journey that when you don't see what He has promised yet, wait. Bind yourself up to Him, in Him, with Him. Bind yourself up to other brothers and sisters together and say, help me wait upon the Lord. Help me to walk through this thing that I'm walking through. See, that's the big difference between what we're going to do as a church, as birthing this new. That's one thing we're going to do differently in that we're going to focus on hand in hand walking together and demonstrating that love to the world. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that the fullest expression of love is giving. And you gave to us when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't even know that we needed it. You demonstrated it to us and gave us that full expression, your greatest treasure, which was Jesus. Now, Lord, we just say we want to be responsible for that. We want to respond to your love. Lord, we just receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Just say that with me. Lord, I receive it. I receive your love. I give my life away to you. You said come to you all who are weary and heavy laden. And whether we've been weary and saved or whether we've been weary and unsaved, we come to you this morning and we say, here I am, take me. Lord, I thank you that your provision comes through your purpose. And I thank you that even though we may not be at the destination, the process, during that process, your provision is there. During that process, your rest and your relief is there. And we purpose in our heart 
to wait and take the moments of that waiting process and give them to you. And thank you, Lord, that it's there that you birth some things in us. That as a church, what you're transitioning us to, you're birthing some things right now in us today. You're birthing some things in us through this process so that when you're ready, when that baby is ready to be delivered, that, Father, that we will have a picture of what it is that you want us to do in this community. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Lang, why don't you come and, uh, I don't know, do what you do and uh, dismiss us. Father God, I just want to thank you for the word that went out today about waiting. And actually, I want to add to what Pastor was talking about when he pointed me out. At the age of 14, I was in school and I talked to a school guidance counselor. And I said, well, what do you want to do with your life at this point? And I was in the inner city of New York City had grown up in a gang area. We were not wealthy. And they said, not much happens to children that come from where you come from. You know, you were lucky to graduate from high school and to do anything. And they told me that the most that I could be would be to maybe be a plumber or a carpenter, or if I really pushed, I could be a police officer. And it really kind of limited me because this is what the guidance counselor said, you know, you were not smart, smart enough, you were not the right color, you were not in the right place to be the things that you wanted. And I remember words from the church that said you could be anything that you wanted to, to be. In fact, when I was a kid, they'd say, you, you could be president. And deep down inside, you knew that growing up where I grew up, that something like that would not happen. And I remember we moved, to, moved from the South Bronx to Queens. And I went and met a high school guidance counselor, and she said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, let me just be ambitious. I'd always put something at the top and said, you know, I'd like to be a doctor. And I was told again, that's something that kids coming from the areas that you come from, even though you're a smart kid, you're probably not going to do that. So it was always about settling for what was going to be less than what you wanted. And I'm saying that because even though God will come and we have a dream that sometimes gets deferred, when he tells you you can do anything, you need to hold on to that word. So this is a timely uh, ministry, a, a lesson that the pastor has really kind of taught us about today. Because if you don't hold on to that word and you hold on to something else, it's not what God wants. You can still be blessed in it, but God, he wants to be exceedingly abundant in everything that he's called us to be. And he will distract you with life, with challenges, with other things. And sometimes you can make dull choices that will almost abort that thing that God was doing. And if you don't do it, the enemy will even come after your family. So we've got to be careful. We know we were talking today earlier about, you know, the racism and discrimination, all things that are going on. 
Well, it's important also to teach our kids through that because they're getting it. And they're not getting it from our households, but they get it from our school and through looking at the news and through just hearing stuff. And they develop their own traits in terms of what they believe. And we've got to line them up with what the Word says as we wait. Waiting is always a process because every time I got to a period and I was told by a guidance counselor, which was somebody that I trusted, it also gave me the opportunity to make a decision to choose something else. And in the back of my mind, I would hold on to that thing even though I might do something else. Well, when we wait on the Lord, it says a few things, and God carries us through a process because when we wait on the Lord, it says that, first of all, Lord, we know that you have a plan for our lives. It says that we're not going to let that thing go. It says that, first of all, we realize that there's a God who has made promises. It says, Lord, we trust you. It says, Lord, we believe that you're carrying us through a time and season where we will not walk away from the things that you've caused us to do. So I just want to encourage you today, if you're here and you need prayer, and I know there may be some visitors here, and, and the enemy has come in and told you that you didn't belong in that place, that you don't deserve that job, that you don't deserve anything that God has called and he has promised to give you, God is going to do that. I, I want to pray a prayer of encouragement today over you. And um, I want you, to, everybody, to stand. Just stand. I mean, it's nothing that we're going to do that's going to be so super religious. I want you to put your hands up. I want you to raise your hands, and I want you to reach your hands towards God, towards the kingdom of heaven. Father, for everyone here who has their hands raised, Father, I call out every promise that you've, you've said and dedicated over their lives. Even before they were born, you had a plan for them, Father God. And that plan will not falter and it will not fail for those that believe in you. For every curse word or every distraction or every person that has told you that you could not be that thing that has called you to be, they are a liar because we are reaching toward heaven, which because we believe in a God who is higher than all. He is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could dream, desire, mention, dream about. And he will supersede anything if we will reach into the kingdom of heaven. So, Father, we're reaching right now. We say, Lord, we want more of you. We want more of your authority. We cancel assignments of distraction where the enemy has come and told you that you don't deserve this thing, that you've made so many mistakes that you will never be able to do that thing, and it can never happen. Lord, we break down barriers. We break down word curses. We break down generational things. We break down what the enemy has said over our race, over our culture, over the things that we've done. We break down word curses over our family so they don't walk in the things that the enemy has tried to put on us. It's not about where you come from. It's about what he did. And he's called us to be children. He's called us to walk in power. He has called us to rule and reign. He's called us to be children of the Most High King and has given us his Holy Spirit, his DNA, which supersedes everything. And enemy, you will not have us because we walk in authority. You know, when you walk out of here today, the enemy is going to try to take something from you. He's going to tell you that you did not hear that word. He's going to tell you that you're a failure. But we've got to tell him the truth. Take his hands off us. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to do everything that he's called me to do, and that's why I was born this day. 
He's called us to be conquerors. He's given us his righteousness. He's given us his name. And he paid for it on the cross for the propitiation of sins before we were born. He paid for it all. Because he paid for it all, we now live. Lord, we just claim that in our lives over this day. And we thank you. And by our praise, our willingness to praise says that we see, we see beyond the circumstance of the day. And it says that we trust you. You know, it's like walking in the desert. And I'm reminded when they came out of Egypt, they walked in the desert 40 years, and the promise was only about three weeks away. But God had them walking because what happens, they got distracted. They didn't keep their eyes on the prize. They began to look back. They began to look and see what wasn't there. And they began to mumble and complain and groan. And this is a time for unity. This is a time to press into what he said. This is a time to get your bag packed, get your suitcases out. Hey, we're going somewhere. I'm ready to go, and I'm going with fervor. How can I make myself the best person that I can be while I'm waiting in the midst of this situation? This is also the time to forgive others, to perfect myself because I've taken on his nature. And when I get to the place that he wants me to be, I want to look like him. So, Lord, if there's any junk that needs to be taken off and there's a process, peel that junk off me. Peel my unbelief off me. Peel my negative words off me. Peel my frustration off of me. And let me infect my environment. Let them see. Let all see. Help us. Help them to be witnesses to what God is going to do. When I couldn't, God could do it. And I, pr I pray this blessing over you today as you walk out of this place. I pray it over, the, over your family, over your job, over your situation, over your marriage, over those people that talk against you. Because we've got to turn around. We've got to forgive them too. We forgive them. So in the name of Jesus, I, I, I just thank you, Lord, for being here today. I thank you for this word. I'm going to take this word. I'm going to read about this word. I'm going to look it up on the Internet because this is even being recorded. I'm going to dig down deeper into these scriptures because I will not allow, allow the enemy to have me or anything that I touch because it belongs to him. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. Amen.